Coming up in this episode, we'll talk about our featured ride, Osage to Mount Judea in Arkansas. Plus, we'll talk about the newest trend in motorcycles, so stick around. Welcome to Random Thoughts from the Road on the Ozark Rides Digital Network. Conversations about motorcycles, one of the best places to ride in America, the Ozark Mountains of Missouri and Arkansas, and of course, any random thoughts that pop into our head. And now, here's your host from OzarkRides.com, Craig Allen and Randy Lewis. You know, if you ride as much as I do, you're putting a lot of miles and wear and tear on your bike. Now, whether you ride a lot or just a little, do yourself a favor and go by Heartland Honda in Springdale, the first level five Honda powerhouse in Arkansas. Their red level technicians can help keep you rolling. Plus, Heartland Honda has a huge selection of Honda motorcycles, ATVs, and side-by-sides with excellent financing options. Check them out online at heartlandhonda.com or give them a call at 479-751-7022. Heartland Honda, work hard, play hard. Whether it's summer, fall, or winter, anytime is a great time to get out and explore the beautiful Ozarks on your ride. Do yourself a favor and put Brad Bradshaw's number in your phone, 417-333-3333. Very difficult to remember. You'll never know when a relaxing ride will be interrupted with an unforeseen accident. Brad's a physician, surgeon, and a lawyer, so he can help you with all aspects of your situation. So after the show, check him out online at bradbradshaw.com. Remember, save that number, 417-333-3333. Plus, he rides too. Welcome back to another episode of Random Thoughts from the Road. And we appreciate you, of course, tuning in. And with me, as always, is Randy Panty Sniffer Lewis from Bike Works in <laughs> Urbana, Missouri. Too much? Still got the old Panty Sniffer title. Yeah. <laughs> Once you got a moniker, it stays with you. Yeah. It's kind of... <laughs> it's not like it's unearned. <laughs> so did you get anything done this week? Yeah, always. That's no, the name, really. Seriously. That's the name of the game is turn out shit. You're talking about the shop, right? I'm talking about life. Uh, that's Anything. All, that's all I do is work. <laughs> work, 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 yeah. work, work, work. Hello, boys. Did you miss me? You know what that's referenced from? What? Blazing Saddles. <laughs> that's yeah. one of my favorite. Blazing Saddles. I thought you were more of a Brokeback Mountain guy. I don't know why. I just, just picked up that vibe. Not entirely sure Randy will be on the next episode. <laughs> well, let me get my drink of beer See how my now. memory <laughs> serves me and I might forget. Well, you are old as shit right now. So. I am. Well... Let's talk about our featured ride, and let's uh, go to that. It's Osage to Mount Judea. Judea or Judea, however you want to say it. It's down in Arkansas. Northern Arkansas, but yeah. Yeah. Other than one ride, we might do that the next time. Uh, go other south. Than, yeah, go south. Is Everything is in northern Arkansas. This is a 45-mile ride. Again, a short one. Mm-hmm. Fun, fun ride. Yeah. Starts at the intersection of Arkansas 412 and 103 north of Ponca. Yeah. Then once you get down to 43, you continue to head south, and you can go over to 74, one of my favorite rides in Arkansas, uh, over through and takes you through Jasper, mm-hmm. down into uh, Mount Judea. 
lot of windy roads and twisty and uh, very scenic. Yeah. Some yeah. of the best. Not the best, but yeah, probably it's, it's up there. It's up there. It's with it for sure. Yeah, I mean, forty-five miles. I mean, you can kill that easily in an hour, yeah. hour and a half, because yeah. they're so. Some of the areas are so windy, and you got to kind of really cut it down slow. But right, right. But it's a it's a good ride. Stop in at the Ozark Cafe in Jasper. That's the best part about that ride. You know, that's like a hundred year old cafe, and they got some really decent food. Again, I guess it is a plug. They didn't pay us, <laughs> no. and you can bet your ass we're not getting a free meal. No, probably not. But it's just good as good. Yeah, yeah, man. You just and gotta... a lot of people always ask me, where do, where do we stop and eat? Where's a good place? Mm-hmm. That's it. I always like those places where it's like, all right, McDonald's, Taco Bell, McDonald's, Taco Bell. Let's find that little mom and pop place. Yeah. Those are the places I like the most. Oh, yeah. I don't go to the uh, chain places. Yeah. Anybody can go to Shit, that. Half the time it's like, oh, you finished your meal. Are you ready for some pie? And it's like, pie? What? Hell yeah, I'm ready for some pie. What pie? Yeah. I want my pie. Yeah, exactly. So if you get a chance, take that ride. You're going to like it. Yeah, hit it up. The great thing is, is like, you know, 412 is kind of not necessarily an interstate, but it's if you like going fast, you like going straight, you, really, you get to run that up until where 103 meets it, and then you get some of your twisties and stuff like that. And That's what makes it a great ride because you get a little bit of everything. Yeah. yeah. In a short distance. Exactly. You know, say you live in this area, it's another one of those rides that, you know, after work or on a lazy Sunday afternoon, you're like, hey, I'm going to go burn a little bit real quick. It's a badass ride to go hit it up. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, it doesn't, you don't have to plan three days in advance to go do this thing. It's just normalcy. It's just what you do on there. Well, let's talk a little bit about motorcycle trends. What's cool, what's not. Of yeah. course, what's cool is what you think is cool. Yeah, yeah, for a fact. We're talking about overall. What kind of where the industry is at, so, exactly. so to speak. What have you seen changing? Now, we're big bagger guys. Yeah, somewhat. I'm wondering how long that's going to last. I mean, it's going to last forever for me. I'm on my last bike unless you know, I win the lottery. Yeah, here's what's crazy. You know, everybody keeps saying, oh, baggers are dead. Big wheels are gone. They're not. I don't you care. Know, this trend started in 2004. That's a long run, and people are there's still dedicated shops to building these big wheel bikes. Or and that's just the thing we've always tried to uh, point out to people: ride what you like. Yeah, yeah, for a fact. Even if it's a Metropolitan. Yes, please. <laughs> With your Daisy Dukes on and no shirt. If I could only just grow a mullet, that'd be even better. You can't grow any hair. Yeah, I can. I could. I could rock a skullet for sure. Really. Yeah, if I grew it out long enough. Yeah, but, a couple uh, of years. <laughs> yeah. So here's where it's at. You know, big wheels are still, they're still hip. There's still shops building them. What I've seen kind of change in the big wheel market is the stereo systems are banging right now. Like, you know, it was always kind of hot. When they first came out, the huge wheel on the front was it. You know, then you kind of grew into, you know, big dropped and extended bags. And they were like four and six inch extensions at first. Now you're talking about bags and fenders that are like freaking eight down, 14 back. I mean, these things look like rolling art. They really do. And whether you like them or hate them, you know, I like the idea of engineering something to still be rideable, but then have all of this style and class. You know, now we're hitting a part in the bagger society that, you know, high horsepower is it. Whether you use it or not, that's one thing, but it's one thing to have a big wheel bagger, but to be king shit, you've got to be pumping out a ton of power and torque, have a big wheel, have big drop bags, crazy paint, and also now a super loud stereo system. Well, 
I'm the guy that doesn't have a stereo system. Unless it's an 8-track, you don't listen to it, huh? <laughs> I have uh, wireless. Yeah. And so I just listen to the music on my phone. Yeah, yeah. And because I use earbuds. And it serves two purposes for me. One, I hear the music a lot clearer and it cuts out all the wind noise. Mm-hmm. But I'm that old codger. We've established that. But I'm that guy that can't stand pulling up to a stoplight and hearing these kids with their cars booming and shaking. Yeah. And and it goes for motorcycles, too. I didn't ask to hear your music. (laughs) That's true. That's true. Get off my lawn, damn it. Here's the big difference between you and I. You still wear a helmet. And I've been wearing a helmet for a long time. And I'm not about to put earbuds in just without a helmet. Because I don't like much. You know, there was a phase where I wore a bandana you know, to keep my ears covered anymore, just less is more. So I don't wear a helmet, don't wear anything like that. Is so. that the explanation then why you are commonly seen around here riding in a thong? Yes. And that's it. Yes. Less is more. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I've ever mentioned this before. I've seen that once. Yeah. You've you hit it. A big old hairy fat guy. Yeah. On, on an old gold wing. Thong. Yep. That was wrong. Yeah. I'll never get that out of my brain. But... It's right in so many ways, too, because that dude's comfortable. He's just rocking what he, he wants. He was something. Yeah, yeah. So uh, a little bit back on topic. So the little bit of the shift in the Harley, in Indian, if you will, era of customization is now they're running what's called fat fronts. You know, it started It started numerous years like ago. Like a wide wheel? Yeah, yeah. I haven't got on board with that yet. You know, there's here's a little plug, and this isn't to toot my own horn, but... I did this before it was cool to do it. Of course you did. I'm telling you, man. And it was even so far outside of cool that I did it with a Kawasaki Vulcan. And I ran a, a Harley 18 inch by 5.5 rear wheel that I modified to fit the front of a Kawasaki. And I ran a 200 wide front tire on this thing. How'd I did, you get them between the forks? It fits. Obviously, you got to change the fender, but it fits. You know, it fits with room. I had to space the brake calipers to fit the rotors and everything, but frick, it's it's still out there beating up the roads today. Um, but there is a company, Native Custom Baggers, and they sell their 180 builders kit, and then they sell a 200 Pro kit, and that's to run like an 18 or a 21 with a 180 millimeter or 200 millimeter fat front tire on them. Um, there's another guy, Paul Yaffe, a Bagger Nation out in Arizona. Right. You know, he done, he done like, I believe the first 21 fat and he called it. Yeah, they it, had an actual TV special on that. Yeah. I think his model is the SRT steamroller or something like that is what it's billed out as. Um, but now you're getting into a 23 fat and it's a 23 inch wheel, a big wheel, if you will. I consider anything over a 21, a big wheel. And they're running a five, five wide with a 200 wide front tire. Now, what I love is they're still running air ride front and back and they're slamming these bikes with these big fat tires on them. It's just kind of a a different niche if you're not into the big 30 plus inch wheels with skinny front tires. You know, now you've got another side of it to be a fat front tire. It's it's just about what's different. Something else that I kind of see that's caught on is everybody's building these lay frame bikes where when you air them down, the frame sits on the ground. You've tried to talk me into doing that. (laughs) Yeah, I have. Uh, There's a lot of things that come into play. What I hate about the lay frame is very seldom, you know, almost always it's a solo bike at that point because to get the back to articulate down far enough, you have to lift the rear fender. Well, the people who've done like two up seats on them, 
they look like shit in my opinion. I mean, it is absolutely garbage looking with this seat way out of geometry. And it's just usually a little, a small pad and or if you ever put a rider on the back, they sit up so high because you have to lift the fender so much, which I say so much. You're talking about like four inches, right? but it makes a difference. So nine times out of 10, if not all the time, they're single seat bikes, which is cool. But the reason why I haven't converted mine to a lay frame is because I haven't taken the initiative to design a seat to build a seat to where it still looks like a traditional two up and you could still ride it two up, you know, with some ease and some comfort. So that's kind of where it's at now. Very, very latest part of the trend. They're calling it performance baggers. And we, we kind of hit on this a couple bit, episodes yeah. ago with the, uh, the racing, the baggers. racing. Yeah. Yeah. So what they're doing is stock height bags, not dropping them stock, shorter rear fender, truthfully. So you can wheelie them. There's a company out in Arizona right now making their performance bag designs. They're going to have like in their side covers, air ducts that go and cool the rear brakes. But what you're seeing on them is most of the time chain drive conversion, super high horsepower or with a turbo or big mill motors, you know, making 150, 160 foot pounds of torque and horsepower And the bike traditionally looks almost like a stock motorcycle as far as the bags and the fender layout, but then they're converting the front ends to like an inverted front end with Brembo brakes. So you're getting high valving suspensions, high performance brakes and high performance motors. And that's kind of right now is what a lot of people are leaning on. I want to ask you a question, go back just a a couple of minutes here. You talked about the fat wheels, the front wheels. Uh Uh-huh. I remember when you talked me into getting rid of my stock front wheel and going to a bigger Thank front wheel, God. which was a real positive move on my part because the bike handled so much better over stock. And mm-hmm. I didn't, I wasn't anticipating that. Right. What about the fat wheels? How do they handle? Truthfully, honestly, not much difference, you know, because a lot of the times you're going to bridge, you know, if you're really looking to cool is the 23s now with air ride it changes the geometry a little bit more but like on your particular bike the reason why it changed it so much in my opinion is we went with a 21 and it runs a 120 wide 120 70 21 is what the tire size is it changes the rake and trail just enough to where it more sporty the difference was immediate as far as noticing it yeah yeah you know someone could debunk this with different you know uh technical information but for what i see day in and day out by dropping the ass end just a little bit and by raising the front end just a little bit with that 21 it makes it handle so much better i don't know if it changes the rake and trail just a smidge and then it creates a different point on the wheel at which it contacts the ground instead of being more towards the center it's more towards the back of the wheel if you will right. off of center line and that's what makes it handle so much better. Oh, the fat tires don't really have that effect then. I mean, I'm, I'm kind of split because if you're in a 21 fat, it does. Yeah, you have a little bit more contact patch on the ground just because the tire is so much wider. More of the tire actually hits the ground. But, you know, they still handle relatively well. It's just a different look. What do you see trending in bikes that are not quote unquote baggers? Yeah, so here's where it's at. So... I'll hit one point on the Harley and then I want to go to a metric side. So on the Harleys, non-bagger, what you're seeing is FXRs, Dynas, you know, some soft tails. These are, they're producing high horsepower, super tall suspension. 
like I call them Canyon carvers. These bikes are designed to handle, you know, they kind of have a club look because a lot of them run T-bars and a small mini fairing, but the suspension on them is ridiculous. Like they're putting badass suspension on them, badass brakes. A lot of times chain drive converting them. And again, high horsepower motors. These guys are wheeling them. They're drifting them. They're doing burnout shows. But what's great about them is they're freaking handling machines. Like you're talking about, I've seen numerous guys taking these dynas, setting them up, and they'll go cut like a sport bike. You know, you always see the what people call the, the Chinese sport crotch rockets, if you will, mm-hmm. where they handle so well. You drag a knee. Now you can freaking drag a knee on a Harley because the way they're setting them up. So non-bagger, that's kind of where it's going is these badass rear shocks, cool front ends, you know, killer paint jobs still nonetheless because everyone wants to style. But they're making these machines to run 12 o'clock wheelies, drifting them, sliding them, and then cutting canyons, you know, cutting curves. So that's kind of what's going on in the the non-bagger scene. Now we talked about going to metric. Right. Shoot, no one's really doing much with new motorcycles in the metric world. You know, it just, they're kooky, they're weird, they're, there's not a whole lot of play. Now granted, there's guys taking big Kawasaki's and putting big wheels on them and, and doing a bagger. But what is really hitting right now is cafe racing, brat style. That is really what's cool. You know, you're talking, you're, you're taking bikes that are kind of obscurity, you know, small CC, 350s, 500s, 750s for back in the 60s and 70s, and they're building these machines out of them that are just so unique and so neclectic and still getting great performance and having badass suspensions and things like that. That in the metric world is really what's taken off from what I've seen. When is the last time you had somebody bring into your shop a two-cycle, two-cylinder? Actually, I've got currently an old, I think it's a 74 Suzuki 120 two-cycle one cylinder that a guy wants to restore right now. Really? That'd be the last time I had something like that. But there's nothing that beats the sound of a two cycle engine. Oh man, they're just, they're so cool. <laughs> I, I don't mean, know what it is about them. They smoke, they're shit to work on. You know, you've always got to be working on them, but they're just something inherently cool with that. Yeah. It's the ultimate to me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, something I really love, and it's, it's Art Deco, which is really what it is, but these guys taking these BMWs. And making an old stripped down looking motorcycle out of them. I just absolutely love that idea. Like a cafe racer? Somewhat, yeah. I wouldn't even call it a racer nonetheless. It's just, let's take this big ass modern beast, cut you everything off. Boxer of it. engines? Yeah, yeah. Horizontal, which BMW's always been horizontal, but they're really getting into 60s and 70s BMWs doing this, but I've seen them done with a couple of newer bikes too. It's, you know, new technology, old platform. And I love that idea for some reason. It just, it's really what I like. So, you know, that's kind of where the biggest trends are. Now, here's something that it's going to be biased because I'm into this. You know, as a younger guy, I still, as much as I freaking hate it, but like social media, Instagram, things like that, take it for what it is, love it, hate it. I don't give a shit what your political view on it is, but I use it to kind of see what's going on in the motorcycle industry around the country. You know, everybody that's said forever, choppers are dead. They're not dead. It's just making money on choppers is dead. You know, from the time where you had these big shops building theme bikes, that's dead. So it was stupid then and it's stupid now, in my opinion. 
but I love these little grassroots builders, these small time shops, these, these guys that do it out of the garage. They're freaking pumping out dope ass choppers. I still am excited about old school, yeah. long front end choppers. Yeah. The kind you get on and the front end flexes. Yeah. They're yeah. kind of hard to ride. You oh, can't yeah. turn a corner. You lean the corner. Right. Like I love those. That gets me going so much. I, I love seeing that stuff. And what's really, really cool, and it is what I've seen now, is like there's a generation, they're probably, I don't know, I'd say they're probably in their 30s, 40s, 50s. Like what they thought of was cool then is what they're doing now. And there's a lot of people doing one-off parts. And not just one-off parts like, oh, I took an angle grinder and cut this shit up and hacked it up and put it on there. I'm talking like these are intelligent people machining these unique, super unique parts. I'd say what's really cool, I believe it's in Europe, maybe it's AMD, I don't know, but like there's a builder series. You don't see baggers, you don't see shit like that. It, it, it's these super ultra rare, very over-engineered, unique machines. And that is really what's cool to me yeah but it's like uh it's like everything in life it comes full circle mm -hmm. style and clothes style and hair i've seen oh, yeah. mullets are coming back please don't <laughs> it but is. they are it i is, mean yeah. everything comes full circle and then the same yeah. holds true with motorcycles yeah and styling so. yeah i guess whether it's trending or not trending or whatever but it's just what i freaking love and what i think is super super cool is to have a sportster which i'll plug this shop i think they're they're freaking killer people they're killer guys but lead sled customs out of dayton ohio they do sportsters but they're making these sportsters long bikes and good performing bikes and now they're doing fat tires on the back or they've been doing fat tires on the back like they've got about every part you could possibly think of to make a sportster cool but what's super super sick is they started building their own wheels off the old invader wheel so something that was cool in the 70s mm -hmm. 80s they're now building their version of an invader wheel and they'll have small kind of a modern take. Yeah. They'll have smaller rotors or they'll have these massive ass rotors that are diameter rotors where they bolt to the outside where the tire comes on. Like they're just building this shit. And that to me is so freaking rad is that, you know, granted to everybody else, it's off the shelf parts, but to them it's, they built this part specifically for a reason. Nobody else has that shit. And that, exactly. Yeah, that to me is what's really cool. And what will drive motorcycling for in the future, too, is that, you know, the aftermarket world is really where I love about motorcycles. Yeah. S stock the to creativity me is always, so, and yeah. come up with something. Yeah. I just wish I was half as creative as these people out there doing that stuff and then had the knowledge, the machinery and stuff to go out there and produce these parts. And the time. Yeah, time is one thing, but whatever. I can sleep when I'm dead. Sure you can. Well... That pretty much does it for this episode. But before we go, we want to plug randomthoughtsfromtheroad.com, our website. Mm -hmm. You can listen to this podcast free anywhere. But if you're going to listen to it, why not go to the homepage and check out the episode and yeah, sign up for it, a free giveaway? Yeah, see what Become a club member. We'd like to have you along. Mm -hmm. You know, you become a club member. I don't know. Maybe we'll mention your name. Who knows? <laughs> maybe you'll get some free shit out of it. Who knows? Well, you'll definitely get free shit out of it. Yeah. So, yeah. I, and you know, club members get an extra drawing entry. Yeah. Just for being a club member. Sign up to be a member and instead of getting one drawing, you get two drawings type of thing. Exactly. Yeah. Why not get extra? We like extra. Yeah. So until the next time, just keep riding, keep on the two wheels and enjoy life. Yes, please.